good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we're just about ready for takeoff now, so, uh... Shit, everybody move now. Go, go, go. Inside, everybody inside. To the stairs, quickly. Everyone head to the roof. The helicopter's waiting there. Go, go. No, no. No, you're lying. That, that's what demons do. They lie to cause men of God to doubt. I'm not telling any lies now, Father. I can feel it in your soul that you know what I say is true. There's so much blood everywhere. Where be the rest of them? I... I can't tell. What is doing this, Mr. Simon? That couldn't have been done by no man, I swear it. I don't know. I don't know. From the minds of true crime guys comes Sandu Stories. Our brand new channel devoted to our previously Patreon-exclusive content, where we'll be bringing you our own version of true crime what-ifs and other audio dramas, one season at a time. Join us wherever you get your podcast on February 7th. Now, let's get strange. I can feel your fear growing and your faith dwindling. It's an intoxicating feeling. February 7th. As Y2K was coming to a close and Japan was preparing for the new year, one family was now having the worst year of their lives. Although the rest of the year had been amazing, the last day's events would prove enough to make this a year to remember, and not in a good way. A horrible crime had occurred and shook a nation, and though the clues are laid out like a popular board game, to this day, no person has ever been named a suspect. This is the story of the unsolved Miyazawa family murders. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Makio and Yasuko Maezawa lived in the Setagaya section of Tokyo with their two young children, eight-year-old Nina and six-year-old Ray. And while Tokyo is known for being one of the largest and busiest cities in the world, Setagaya was more reclusive and quiet. The neighborhood where the Mayazawa family lived had once boasted over 200 homes, but recently the homes had been demolished and replaced with a public park, leaving the Mayazawa family with only two neighbors. They had plans to relocate also, but due to Ray, their six-year-old son, needing special accommodations, they were given an extension to take the time and find somewhere that offered the access to assistance that they needed. Yasuko's mother and several other relatives lived in a semi-detached part of the home, and the family as a whole had hoped to find land where they could build a house big enough and suitable for all of them to live. The adjoining home had an intercom system allowing Yasuko's mother, Haruko, to call on the Mayazawa family from the comfort of her home. However, in the morning of December 31st, the intercom went unanswered. Haruko was concerned because she knew her daughter and her family were home but couldn't get anyone to answer her call. So she walked over to the front door and began knocking. 
Again, her call went unanswered and worry began to creep into the woman's mind. So using the key that she was given, she opened the door and was immediately shocked by what she saw. At the base of the stairs on the ground floor, Haruko found the body of 44-year-old Makio, her son-in-law. He had been stabbed to death. As she ventured further into the house, her hysteria grew. She came upon the other members of the Mayazawa family. All of them had been brutally murdered. Unable to handle the traumatic scene, she ran outside screaming. Police arrived within minutes to find the entire family, including eight-year-old Nina and six-year-old Ray, deceased. In a country known for its extremely low murder rate, the scene witnessed by officers was something that stuck with them for the rest of their lives. And the fact that it remains unsolved continues to haunt them. Initially, the police were very optimistic about catching the monster who had committed such heinous crimes. The killer had been sloppy and left a mountain of clues for the police to begin their manhunt. At 10.38 p.m. on the night of December 30th, the day before the bodies were discovered, Mikio had opened a work email on the family's computer. This would come to be the last known action of any of the household. Around that same time, an eyewitness was walking in the newly built park that ran directly behind Mayazawa's home. This witness claimed that he could hear what he believed to be sounds of a family arguing coming from the Mayazawa house. Also around the same time, Haruko and her sister who lived with her claimed that they heard a loud bang come from the Mayazawa house. She assumed it had been one of the family members. The walls between the two families had been soundproofed, allowing the Mayazawas and their in-laws to live in harmony beside each other. This noise was not something that alarmed Haruko or anyone else and they had dismissed it until the following day's discovery. The police discovered that the phone line to the home had been cut and assumed the killer entered from a bathroom window that was open on the second floor. The screen to the window was on the ground below. Further observation found that Mikio had been strangled and stabbed multiple times with defense wounds. The bodies of Yasuko and Nina were found to have an overkill of savage stab wounds on their bodies. Many believe that the way the women were treated infers that the killer harbored a hatred towards women. But it is at this time, all just speculation. Lil Ray was found still in his bed. He had been strangled to death. Police believe it is likely that he was killed first. As for physical evidence, the police had their work cut out. Feces from the killer was found in one of the family's bathrooms. The killer had used the facilities and then proceeded to dump several of Mikio's belongings on top of it. His phone, keys, and wallet were all found in the toilet, along with papers from his work desk. He also had dumped a number of items into the bathroom tub, including an ice cream wrapper. So the person who had just murdered this family stayed long enough to eat food from the family's fridge and leave the wrappers littering the crime scene. The killer had also been injured in his fight with Mikio, as there were bandages from a first aid kit covered in the killer's blood left in the bathroom tub. The killer also used the family's computer while he made himself at home. He was comfortable enough that he left his bloody clothes at the home and changed into something out of Mikio's closet. Among the clothing items left behind by the killer, there was a gray woven yarn hat, a fanny pack, a colorful scarf, a black Uniqlo jacket, black gloves, and a long sleeve ringer t-shirt, and Slasinger shoes. The shoes and several other items were traced back to South Korea. The shirt he was wearing was one of only 150 sold worldwide. Police tried to track down the buyers, but succeeded in finding about 12 of them. 
The killer also carried a sashimi knife, which he used to kill Mikio. But the weapon broke in their struggle, and he fetched a knife from the family's kitchen to kill the others. Since 2000, the Tokyo Metropolitan Police have handled well over 12,000 pieces of information regarding the murders, and have offered up numerous awards in sizable amounts, hoping for information. But so far, their persuasive measures have proven inconsequential. The killer's DNA was of course analyzed. He was found to have type A blood, with markers indicating his mother was of Southern European origins, around the Adriatic most likely. And the markers of his father's DNA indicated that the father likely descended from Northeastern Asia, more specifically China or Korea. Sands inside the fanny pack were analyzed and found to have come from an area in the Nevada desert in the US specifically around Edwards Air Force Base. Now, with all the clues in hand, theories almost outnumber the evidence. The sand lending to the theory that it may have been a U.S. soldier stationed abroad. The South Korean ties lead many to believe that he was an illegal immigrant or had ties to the Korean army. The absence of fingerprint matches assisting the theory that he was just a drifter. And then, there is an altercation Mikio had with a group of teenagers just days before over some noise in the neighborhood. He had confronted the group which was visiting the skate park which had just opened and they exchanged heated words, but then went home without escalation. Then there is the cabbie who reported that on that night of the murders, he had picked up a group of three men around the ages of 30. One of the men had an injured hand and left blood in the back seat. The police had collected blood from the cab, but have not said that it was connected to the Miyazawa family. Also, we should note that in the year 2000, Japan's overall unemployment rate was above 4% and remained high all throughout the decade. Japan's lost decade, the 1990s. It saw a period of economic depression and a rise in youth unemployment. Due to the crash of many Japanese banks, obtaining credit became harder for the average citizen, wages stagnated, and consumption levels declined. We all know these elements lead to the perfect recipe for disaster, with many becoming desperate to keep or grow their fortunes. In 2015, Famiya Ikayashi, a Japanese true crime author, wrote a book detailing the murders and claiming that he knew the identity of the murderer. He pointed out the many details pertaining to South Korea, including some foil found at the scene. He referred to the person only as R, and claims he once served in the South Korean military. He claims he matched the fingerprints from the scene with that of ours, and it was a positive match. However, none of this has been confirmed by the police and no suspects have ever been named. The case is one of the longest investigations in Japanese history and involved over 250,000 officers. In 2019, it was decided that the Miyazawa family home was to be demolished due to its age and crumbling infrastructure, but the family appealed the decision. In 2020, and Airi Yasuko's older sister, who is now 62, opened the house to the press in hopes that showing how the family lived might help someone make the decision to come forward and help the family finally close this case. There is still a 20 million yen reward offered by the police. Still to this day, they haven't given up. And with a crime this brutal, it's easy to see why.
All right, so there you have it. There are the details on the Miyazawa family massacre. Um, possibly Japan's, I mean, what, most gruesome unsolved case? I mean, is that safe to say? Yeah. Is there anything worse than that? I don't know. I haven't dug into God. too many Japanese unsolved cases, but I don't think they do have many. It's definitely the most unbelievably unsolved case. Yes, absolutely. I mean, for everything that was left behind, mm-hmm. the the killer's blood was left behind, their mm-hmm. stool, their fingerprints. Their fingerprints. I mean, so many different forms of DNA. They left their clothes yeah. that most likely had hair follicles on them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just unbelievable that this person that this person got away and just because of how much evidence was left and the fact that here we are you know 20 no yeah 20 yeah, something years later, years later and it's still unsolved it just makes me think that this person just must be an undocumented person or something like it's just it blows me away mm-hmm. like maybe i know we mentioned it in the main in the main story uh the possibility of it being a drifter mm-hmm. and I feel like that has to be the greatest possibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they, de- they definitely, I don't know, do they take your finger na- finger fingernails, fingerprints and, and stuff when you join the military? Do uh, they not do that? Definitely. Okay. So that means he's not in the military. That's what makes me not think he's in the military. Right. And then he doesn't have a criminal background because right. then something would be on file. I mean, I, I'm curious to know if they like sent all of this information to like um some but, kind of south korean you know embassy or something right. and, and maybe tried to run them i would be sending this information all over the world i'd be sending it to yep. what southern europe i'd be sending it to korea china and even america as well as america mm-hmm. because of the sand the that ties. was found in the yep. fanny pack yep. um from the nevada desert i'm like if we open I mean, it up like that I mean, we're so likely to find him, right? I mean, there's just too much there not to find this person. Unless, I mean, but it is a possibility that this person just collected all of these things from a thrift store mm-hmm. or yeah. something, a second hand, you know? I mean, it could have been, it's really more likely that an American soldier, right, mm-hmm. possibly uh, was um, stationed. stationed in Japan, yep. right? And then got rid of this, this fanny pack or whatever. And then someone else picked oh, it up, or they saying. could have donated yeah. it, or something mm-hmm. like that. Like you never know. And then yep. just some drifter yep. um, in Japan picked it up, or it could be the child of, it's just, because they talked about how it's very likely that this is a younger teenage person. Right. It could be the child of a military family, and that would explain why their DNA or fingerprints are not on file not anywhere. On, yep. But, um, but with genealogy nowadays, it's, I mean, God, it's 2023. It, genealogy, the way it is now, I've seen them solve cases for people who have never, um, you know, supplied their DNA mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form have been caught because of family members. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. they're able to kind of triangulate that and figure out, be like, okay, it's got to be someone from this, family, this family. And then yeah. the match is so strong, you know. Um so I, I I feel like that's going to happen in the yeah. future, and I feel like it has to. With the it kind of makes for the argument gruesome. that maybe we should start taking DNA from soldiers. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We're sending these people all over the world. We're training them how to kill people. Yeah. And then maybe we should keep their DNA on file. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, <laughs> it's terrifying, the fact 
having your DNA out there yeah, and sending it into this company, especially since like Ancestry and uh, 23andMe, they are owned by private organizations yeah. now, whether you guys know that or not. It's, I mean, even if it was government, I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but they are owned by private organizations now, and there's no one really telling them what they can or can't do with that DNA, Yeah, which is terrifying on that aspect. But at the same time, if you're not a criminal and <laughs> you are for these these criminals getting caught and the fact that someone may be connected to you somewhere down the line or mm-hmm. whatever, I mean, it, it kind of, it's, it's definitely a tally in the plus column for right. sending in your DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but then it's scary because you're like, what if my DNA is close enough to a relative that it that it points the finger at me? It points the finger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you would hope that then. That's terrifying. But in this case, I mean, it, there's so much that has to match. Mm-hmm. Number one, fingerprints. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know oh, what no, I'm saying? They so, find even someone close to this person, I feel like they're going to be able to find this person. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if they're able to find someone through DNA. But... Um, I did read when I was reading about the whole DNA process and how they do that, that the markers from the Southern European mom may not indicate that she is necessarily like Southern European and would be recognized as Southern European, that it may be someone back in her ancestry and that he got that marker. Very true. And so... That that kind That's of complicates it a little. Absolutely. That's the thing with genetics. I mean, maybe you could look for this couple, right? Yeah. Amongst the suspects, but then you can't even because she may not appear as Southern European. Right. Yeah. She may not carry those traits. Mm-hmm. That's genetics are weird. They can skip generations. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and all sorts of things. So you might, you know, you might have a, a father or a mother who is completely one nationality and yep. you may get very little of that yep. you may have get something from your All grandparents from the and then from your mother yeah. or whatever so yeah it's very tricky it's very tricky but it's just it's just hard to believe in 2023 there are no leads yeah and then also this true crime author this japanese true crime author mm-hmm. who claims that he's solved the case you yeah. know it's like why is he not being you think he just did it for clout maybe so he could always be tied to this i don't know i tried to find the book but it was only published in Japanese, obviously, so, and I can't read Japanese, so I don't know. I would be interested. I actually do want to read it. I want to find it uh, translated and maybe see what he see what he he claims that he was able to obtain R's uh, fingerprints and yeah. compare them to that of the um, the family's murder, mm-hmm. and that they matched. Okay, I don't know how he was able to do that. I don't know, but he. Like he doesn't and, and, name... and why not give them up then? That's what's so uh, that, silly about it. If you know well, who it is, like I was gonna say that maybe you're an accessory at this point. He, the police are not siding with him, so he doesn't want to put all this onto somebody without knowing. You know, even mm-hmm. though he knows for sure, right? You know what I'm saying? You can't tell the public that because they can go crazy with it. And but God, I mean, a case of this caliber, I feel like you have the responsibility. I feel, yeah, but I feel forward. like the police have the responsibility because he has. He's come forward. He's even published a book about it. Like, he knows who it is. I'm sure he's went to the police and been like, it's this person, you know, and given them. And if he's given them the information, then it's uh, it's there. It's on their part. Why are yeah. they not checking this person out? And if they have, why not come out and say we have right. and it's not this person? Yeah. You know? Or maybe, 
Yeah, God, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that it was that person and they found them and they have connections to yeah. people who are very powerful. That's what some we have people seen that theorize in the future yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that, that plenty of times. A lot of people theorize that if he is from the Southern Korean military that he's pretty high up and that's the reason. Mm-hmm. For one, the author didn't want to come out about it and then two, the police won't go after him, but but they I mean, that's all just speculation at this point. Yeah, that sounds kind of crazy, especially since they mark him as such a young man too. Mm-hmm. Like how you know, how established in the military could you be? Right. When they're putting you at at sub thirty years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that, like you said, that doesn't mean he's not the child. Yeah. Of someone who is very powerful. That's my thing. What if it was like you know the kid of of it's like Kim Jong Un's son out at yeah hanging out at that skate park. <laughs> I just don't want to start a war. <laughs> and then got into I don't know people. A lot of people seem to think it's just some some underage child that was that was at the park that got into the altercation with him too, Ooh. which is possible, but that is uh, a mean, scary God. thought. Yeah. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to think that a child could go that crazy and but the, have the, the energy and the strength to go, to pull off a murder like if this. If you look at the crime scene as like an immature crime scene, you know what I'm saying? Because he ate the food, he stayed there, he tore up their house, but he didn't really steal anything. There was cash found in the mom's purse. Mm-hmm. There were value items laying around the house. They weren't a rich family anyway. Right. So And Makio's uh wallet and stuff was found in the toilet. That's the immature kind of stuff that I that I that's what I find immature about it. Mm-hmm. Is that it because he's not looking into his job, there was nothing in his job that would anger somebody or something for them right. to seek revenge yeah makia so, was an animator it was very correct? petty yeah yeah it was very petty yeah it was and, i mean but those are it's funny because those are objects that the police are definitely going to search for yeah. right? to identify the yeah. family and so he's like well here they are yeah he with probably, my shit he may have done that yeah <laughs> just for the police yeah. but i mean the fact that he was so so messy and forward about it too yeah i don't know I, I can understand well. how they think it may be someone younger. You know, it, it, who's to say it's not a kid that is a drifter? Yeah, that's You know it. what I mean? It could mm-hmm. be a homeless kid who's yep. grown up on the streets, um, you know, just turned, maybe he turned 18, left the orphanage, whatever, and mm-hmm. just has no documentation of him out yep. there, really, or no real documentation. You never mm-hmm. know. You really don't. Nope. And, and they mean, don't, so. and Japan doesn't have a really bad problem with immigration. I did look into that too. No, they're trying to get illegal. people to come here. Yeah. With, <laughs> well, <laughs> they're like, please come to Japan. Yeah, they don't, but during this time, because of the financial fallout of mm-hmm. the com- of the country, um, apparently this is one of the times where it was like more of a problem. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't nothing like what it is here where we just have people storming the the gates, but... That's how they have you believe it. I know, right? But but it was more of a problem in that time period because of the financial situation. Right, right. But well, it's uh, it's up in the air still. But I really think this is going to be one of those ones that gets solved eventually. I really do. And the fact that they're keeping it open mm-hmm. now, whether we will know, right, <laughs> that it was solved, <laughs> or whether we will ever have closure publicly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see how a case. With this much evidence, this much DNA left over in this time period, it doesn't get solved. It just seems absurd to me. And her older sister kind of keeps pushing things forward. Oh, I bet. Yasuko's sister. I bet. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, that's what me and Kristen think. 
Uh, let's check in with Lauren. Let's see what he thinks in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Getting my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The murders of the Miyazawa family, which took place in Tokyo, Japan, at the end of the year 2000, just a day before New Year's Eve on December 30th. And this was a family of four, um, the father being Mikio, the mother being Yasuko, and they had an eight-year-old daughter named Nina and a six-year-old son who uh, had some mental disabilities uh, named Ray. And that would he would be the first victim. Um, he would be strangled in his sleep um, on that night of December 30th and then would ensue a vicious attack with a knife, what turned out to be a sushi knife, I believe. Um, the killer killing the rest of the family, the father fighting furiously with the perpetrator, uh, the perpetrator cutting his own hand at some point during the struggle. Um, but ultimately, uh, the killer would murder both the father, uh, both of the children and the mother as well in this home, uh, with multiple stab wounds, um, what the police would later call overkill. And, um, still to this day, this killer has not been caught, which is just shocking to me, um, because of the amount of physical evidence left inside of the home, including the killer's own clothing, um, a bag with some of the killer's, uh, things in it, um, which was bizarre. Some of the stuff that was found inside the clothing, inside this, this basically like a fanny pack type of, um, side carry bag, satchel almost, uh, it had sand that was determined to be from the Southwest region of America, like in my neck of the woods, like near Las Vegas slash Southern California, some sand in, in this bag from that area. Also sand from Korea was found like in his jacket, I believe. Um, this, this person had clearly been all over the place. There's been speculation that the killer may have been in the military, um, that the killer was of Korean descent based off of his genetics. It's said that his father was uh, very likely to be Korean and his mother was likely to be from Southern Europe, I believe. So possibly a mixed race individual. Um, and the family, the, the Miyazawa family, they, their home backed up to a park and this park had recently had a skate park installed and they were in the process of moving out of this home. They already had a plot of land bought that they were going to build a new home on because um, they had been at odds with this, you know, the surroundings of this neighborhood at this point. Um, I guess there was people parking in front of their home that they weren't welcome to park there. And the father had gotten into it with these people. The father had gotten into it with some of the skaters at the skate park um, it, recently before. Uh, these murders occurred and there had been some sightings of a man circling their home in days prior um, in clothing similar to the clothing that was left behind at the crime scene. And so I think clearly the, the skate park played a role in this. And don't get me wrong, I'm an ex-skater, man. I was, I was a skater kid growing up and I know that we were wrongfully persecuted quite often for things that we were just minding our own business, you know, like let skaters skate and do their thing. But it also at times it can be, we were dicks at times too. Um, and also in the mix is some bad people in some of these, uh, circles. And it's very possible that there was a, a little psychopath hanging out at this skate park and did not take kindly to, uh, the father, Mikio, um, uh, 
going over there and accosting them for being too loud or whatever, and also took the opportunity, seized the opportunity to uh, gain entry to this home and, and murder this family and also steal money. It seemed like robbery was also definitely a motive in this, but this goes beyond robbery. I mean, this, the, the details of the murders of this, like of this capacity, there's, you don't just kill someone with an, like a whole family with a knife in the middle of the night and strangle a, uh, a child, uh, for money. And it's not just about money. Like this is a sick individual. And it's, like I said, it just blows my mind that this person's not been caught. And I, I do think that we're going to get closure on this one. Oftentimes on my, um, synopsis, I I say, I don't, sadly, I don't think this thing's ever going to be solved nowadays with genealogy and the advances in technology, when there's DNA left at a crime scene, I always think people are going to get caught. And in this one, there was so much left behind this fucker even like left, uh, feces in the toilet, like took a crap in, in this family's toilet and left it, didn't even flush it, was eating their food, leaving scraps of like ice cream wrappers all over the home. Um, was just despicable behavior hung out in the home all night long. Seemingly it's even speculated that he was there at 10 AM when the mother of the, you know, the father in this situation. So the kid's grandmother showed up to the home, um, and gained entry and found all these victims. Like it was speculated that the killer may have still been in the home at 10 AM the next morning when the grandmother showed up, um, and had fled out the back window. And that's why there was a screen missing from the bathroom window. Um, this, the fact that this killer was so brazen and left so much behind fingerprints, like I guess hundreds of fingerprints throughout the house left his blood, um, left a lot of his articles of clothing and all this stuff in the home. And, and to this day, 23 years later has not been caught. It's, it's just, I mean, clearly must've fled the country, but you would think that, um, the fingerprints would have popped somewhere. There's no way this is like this person's first crime, you know? Like, and, and now with DNA, there's just no way he's not going to, they're going to have to whittle down this DNA through the family tree and start getting some solid suspects eventually. And we can only hope that this person gets caught. And thankfully, since the time of these murders, the, um, statue of limitations on murder in Japan has been abolished because at the time when the killer did this, there was a limitation of, of at the time, 15 years for murder where you couldn't be persecuted after 15. Then they'd moved it to 25, I believe. And then thanks in part to the Miyazawa family petitioning along with many other people uh, to abolish that rule, it was finally abolished. um, And that was much needed. I mean, you can't have a a statute of limitations on something like murder. I mean, like the family brought up, this is something that they still live with every day. That is not, the wounds are still fresh for them, for the family members that are remaining. Um, you know, the close family members of the Miyazawa family. This is never, this is something they think about when they wake up, when they go to bed, it's never left their mind. And to think that we could catch the killer and then not be able to uh, persecute them was just absurd. So thankfully they got rid of that, that law. And I think we'll get news on this within the next year. I really do. I think this is going to get solved thanks to DNA and genealogy. It's, it's, it just has to be, this killer left far too much behind. So I look forward to hearing a break in that case. Eventually I'm, I'm confident that will happen, but um, just a horrendous, horrendous case. And it's stuck with this part of Japan and, and it's in, it's Setagaya, I believe it is, is where this happened. Um, it looks like a lovely, beautiful area, but um, there's monsters everywhere as we know. And one of them snuck into this home and did something heinous to a, a beautiful family. It's a tragedy. And hopefully the killer is brought to justice. 
that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you for that synopsis as always, sir. Very appreciative. And uh, yeah, as you guys can see, um, it's just, it's hard to believe that this case won't be solved in the near future. It really is. Lauren's convinced. Uh, Kristen and I are convinced. I just, we're going to keep our eyes on this case as most of the cases that we cover. And hopefully we can bring you guys some closure on this in the future. That would be great. But guys, if you enjoyed this show and you enjoy what we hear at what we do here at True Crime Guys, please consider checking out patreon.com slash truecrimeguys, where for just five bucks a month, you guys can get access to everything we make on the True Crime Guys network. That's a show almost every other day of the week. Um, or if you're just a Sandu fan, if you just want the strange and unexplained content, you can check out patreon.com slash podcast, and for just $3 a month, you can get access to all Sandu content, including strange shorts every Monday and Sandu stories every month. All right? Uh, well, guys, that's about it. Give us a follow on YouTube, True Crime Guys on YouTube. Go give the uh, that channel a subscribe. We appreciate that very much. We're still pretty new to YouTube, but uh, me and Lauren do every True Crime Guys proper episode on YouTube now. There's pictures of what we're talking about, uh, maps, pictures of crime scenes, whatever is pertaining to the case as we talk about it is right there in front of you on YouTube. So it's, it's a much more uh, engulfing experience, if you will. It saves you a lot of Google searches. Um, also, check us out on Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, please hit that rate button. Uh, if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcast, please leave us a review. We appreciate that very much. Uh, both of those things help push the show forward. All right, tell your friends. Go find us on social media, at True Crime Guys, at SNU Podcast. And uh, yeah, next week, guys, it'll be myself and Andy on Strange Shorts here on the free platform because it's Sandu Stories Week. So if you want to get in on the new Sandu Stories, our new audio theater show, uh, the new episode will come out next Thursday. All right? Or this coming Thursday, actually, when you're hearing this on the free platform. So don't wait, guys. Sign up, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys or slash SNU podcast. Either one, there's links below the description of this very episode as well as sources if you'd like to dive into this case yourself all right so we'll see you next week with some strange shorts all right until then keep being strange just don't be strangers see ya check out all the other programs on the TCG network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. And if those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and the 5-Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. Hey, how, do you, how do you shut this thing off? Over?